This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. Let me welcome to the show. She does things with babies. She brings them into the world. She is a maternity lifestyle maven, wellness and birth coach, and a yogi. We welcome founder of Mama Glow, the one and only Latham Thomas. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Karen. Good to Thank see you. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, Larise here too. She hey actually y'all. had a couple hey of babies. Did, yeah, one or two. You know. Yeah. Did you do? <laughs> I think. Did you have a doula? I, I think did you not did have a. I had. Did yeah. You? My my son was like the perfect pregnancy. I like love it. it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a water birth in a hot tub with yeah, my midwife. Me. I had incense burning. My midwife had incense burning. My mama was there. My yes. husband was there. He almost bit my mama on the shoulder because it was a lot happening. And it was a beautiful water birth. Amazing. Beautiful. Perfect in every way and then I had a second pregnancy and my daughter's pregnant my pregnancy with her was completely opposite um mm. it was challenged from the beginning mm-hmm. to the point where the birthing center was like yeah so what you ain't gonna do is have this baby here because mm. um, there's too many issues <laughs> to I mean gestational diabetes mm. everything that you know uh the the uh, I can't remember the terminology something was blocking this so it was a, everything that could go wrong mm-hmm. and ended up having an emergency c-section mm. so it was the complete polar opposite they are totally different personalities I don't know if that had anything to do with it yeah um but how Having the midwife um, and pre uh, and during the course of the labor, that type of support, the doula midwifery type of support, um, Ancient Doula Songs is one of the the doula mm-hmm. uh, organizations in Brooklyn, um, and it's doing a lot of work for Black women here in the state of New York. And one of the things they talk about is just how powerfully um, supportive and beneficial it is to have a doula who is able to go through this experience with you. So I told Karen during the break, I was like, if I could have went to med school, I was supposed to be delivering babies. I think that's my yes. true calling. But I went to law school, so I'm a lawyer. Uh, so, but like, I feel like the work of midwives, the work of doulas is so vitally important considering the, all the issues we have with black maternal health yes. uh, and black maternal death rates. Um, I think that recent stats in New York said black women are 12 times more likely to yes. die from maternal-related causes than our white women in this state. It's a mm-hmm. nationwide issue. So you are doing the goddess's work. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. How did you come to this space? Well, I have a 16-year-old son. And when I was pregnant with my son in um, 17 years ago, living in New York City, there was not the same resources we have now. Yeah. The internet was not what it is now. Mm. I had to go through a phone book, which is like a relic. My kid doesn't even know what that is, to figure out how to find support. And so um, I started really just vetting practitioners, product services, and coming up with what will become the rudiments of our business. And that's how I started. But it was I always had an interest in women's health. I was doing women's health work before. But once I had a baby, I was like, oh, we need to fix this. Yeah. This is like yeah. impossible. And I delivered at a birth center. It was really beautiful um, right next door to, um, I think it's called the Darby or Up and Down now. So my son thinks he was born in a nightclub. But it <laughs> It was a really beautiful experience and it was transformed really how I do this work. And I had a midwife. It was amazing. Our entire family was there, too. It was very much like a party. But when I left, it was like, OK, where are the grownups? I'm walking out with this baby six hours later. Yeah. And I was like, nobody prepares us for this yeah, experience. That's the part right there. Right. Where the fear of God sits in and you're like, oh, yeah. I'm yeah. like, so y'all. So wait. So y'all. So I'm leaving. So that was weird. Right. Yeah. And then I get home and I'm like, oh, I got to do this now. Like I'm this parent. Yeah. Right. Yep. yep. And um, thank God. My my mother came and she was like, you know, I mean, she was really my postpartum doula, right? Mm. Which is, you know, just having that support. And every culture has a postpartum tradition, except for in the U.S. That this is, is so the true. only yeah. place yeah. 
where women, one in four women will go to work 10 days after delivering their baby. Which is insane. Can you imagine what what you were doing 10 days after birth? Jesus. I was not putting on even clothes. Right. Right. So, so yeah, so really the importance of doula work is so critical now. And the CDC actually two weeks ago just put out new information about um, black maternal health stats. And so Mm. it was three to four times um, uh, that black women were three to four times more likely to die during childbirth or due to childbirth-related causes. Now it's four to five times. And that's nationally. that's nationally. nationally. So in your state, depending on what resources Where, you have. Then it's even more. Right. Yeah. So that's in New York, it inc- that number obviously goes up to 12 times, like you said earlier. And that's because there's such a disparity in how, like, two women, a black woman and a white woman, can go to the same institution and have completely different experiences. Yeah. And we know that that is related not just to policy gaps, but also to discrimination. There's racism we see that there's um different types of uh, bias that shows up and that's income related that's insurance related we see that mm. when we pick up the phone and you that's call right. your doctor what's the first thing they say what's your insurance, insurance? what's your insurance yeah. right and so we know that care also is correlated with that mm. so there's so many things that need to be addressed and what doulas can do is stand on the front lines and help people as they navigate um the yeah. policy gaps yeah we're talking with Lathan, and her her company is Mama Glow, Lathan Thomas. MamaGlow.com, and there's products. She brought some product here that she said won't get me pregnant, which I'm happy about. <laughs> uh, but define for people who don't know, what is a doula? Sure. So a doula is um, a care support person who supports you, educates you, helps you to and partner education, um, advocacy, uh, physical support, obviously, because we know that they don't call it labor for nothing. It is very physically yeah. uh, intense. And also really educating you on what to expect when you move into the hospital system, right? And so oftentimes we're so underprepared, and especially in our communities and communities of color where there's a mistrust of hospitals and systems mm. where there's been um, previous things that have happened to us where we've been experimented upon. There's been all kinds of things that we That's see. Right. And there's some really great books um, that also chronicle this information. Um, One that I really love called Killing the Black Body really details what's happened and what's occurred that makes people even afraid to deal with the medical system. So imagine you're pregnant for the first time and that might be the the very first instance that you have to deal with doctors, Mm. right? Mm. Outside of being sick, right? right? And you're not looking at it as a sickness, but you also might be missing really important um, markers for health. And that's what happens often in our community. Like there's things that could be mitigated early on and doctors don't always see them because they don't spend time with their patients like what so like if I come in and I have high blood pressure right and that's not seen because my doctor spends 15 minutes with me or they doesn't they don't recognize I have swelling which may be correlated with high blood pressure which could lead to like me having seizures and I could also not survive the childbirth right so if we start to see these things early like a doula would see that like would notice like oh wait like you're you're starting to swell a little bit more let's like check your your urine to see if there's protein right which would indicate that there's high blood pressure that you might have preeclampsia, right? Which happens during pregnancy and tends to happen in our communities more. Why? So why is that like so there's um high blood pressure related to like sometimes diet, but also stress. So That's we right. see that there's a lot of systemic stressors that aren't acknowledged and that we don't have a lot of um 
we're now starting to see data, right, that looks at weathering, that looks at uh, historical um, trauma and how that shows up through generations and lineages. And so because we just have a new science to start to quantify this information, we don't a lot of people won't necessarily admit or say that it has to do with the daily stress that people experience as a result of racism, right? And so that's like a big, that's a big area. Like if we see like Serena Williams, for instance, right? right? With all the money, right? There's no reason why she shouldn't have been listened to. But uh, again, neglect is a huge thing that happens. And this perception that we can, that we can uh, experience pain and tolerate pain more than other people. And that stems back to slavery when they were operating on us and doing all types of experiments on our bodies to heal pathologies in white women, they would do these things on our bodies without anesthesia. And so there's still this belief that we don't need anesthesia. And that's something that has been confirmed recently when the uh, incident in Virginia happened um, and the governor, he was either in the blackface or the Klan's hood, we don't know which. Right. Um, at medical school, there was a lot of discussion about how this was a medical school in like the 80s. So like if they're talking, if they're having Klan's uh, hoods and blackface, what is happening? But then we get to these studies that show that even today, white medical students do believe that black people do not experience pain the same way that white people do. So we will not get the same types of medicines in the emergency room. We'll get generics more than we will uh, brand on brand medicines, whereas white children, white people don't experience that. So these racial beliefs that were nurtured and created in slavery to help perpetuate white dominance are still literally impacting our birthing process today. So what does a yeah. doula do to mitigate that? And, and we're talking with Latham Thomas, of course, Laurie Favors is here, Laurie hey, Daniel hey. Favors, Afro State of mind and what uh where did you get your name latham i'm always uh interested yeah. in that yeah it's my grandmother's maiden name okay. yeah and so i honoring the ancestors yeah, yeah there we go yeah okay. and i was born um on a full moon and the night before my mother's her grandmother had passed already she appeared in the kitchen through mm. through light and she spelled the words girl on the wall the night before I was born. So my mom was like, okay, it's a girl. Every At the time, ultrasound technology was new. Mm. So they thought I was a boy. So she was like, oh, no, it's a girl, and it's coming tomorrow. I saw my grandmother. So they said, well, just put Latham still. It's cool. So I still got Latham, and Danielle is my middle name. I nice. All right. So See, now that right there, that's African spiritual technology. Right. And, yes. And and this is why I'm yeah. always asking people that you, how, where your name came yeah. from. But, because yeah. say your name, it, it's important that it yeah. becomes indelibly etched into the universe. That's, that's right. This is who you are. And, and I'm also talking to people who are naming children, mm. that if you have that kind of purpose in naming your child, that it manifests in, the, in what your child becomes. Because these are some powerful women in this room right now. Latham Thomas is mm. here. Mama Glow is her, is her business. Now, how how do you work with the medical professionals to, to service yes. your clients and what does that look like? So I think it's critically important for us to not only um, have a seat at the table, but go in and figure out how we can reclaim space for ourselves, especially in the work that we were doing in the beginning, right? And so what we know is that when our ancestors arrived on these shores when they were stolen, they came with this information, with the technology, understanding how to navigate a pelvis, delivering babies through the middle passage, right, in mm. darkness. Mm. And so we know when they arrived here also, they also 
knew they were coming. And so they brought seed and they brought the sorghums and the and the cassavas and all the things that they would need to feed themselves. They also brought herbs. Mm -hmm. And so they brought that in the form of seed. And when they got here, they had the medicine they needed. And so they had the foresight to prepare for us. And when they got here, they also took care of not only um, each other's babies, they, they birthed the slave master's babies, they took care of the slave mistresses, and also the masters when there was no doctor around. And so um, all, of this, all of the information when obstetrics was like this nascent form of medicine came from black women, mm. right? And so black women were actually also operating the slave hospitals and they were also experimented. So they would impregnate them Right. So that they would be able to then figure out like, OK, how do we deal with this issue or that issue? They would impregnate them. But they also worked in these slave hospitals and came up with a lot of the um, resources and technology that would be later used in the 1700s, 18 and 1900s. Now, fast forward, we see that because this this work was ripped away from us. Right. And that it was taken away. And what we see this in midwifery as well. We see this starting to happen now doulas are coming to the surface but in midwifery it was just like oh we're going to use propaganda right to to push them out and so that doctors can do this work and do it solely especially once insurance played in and they could get insurance by treating black women and so um for us it's about acknowledging the wound acknowledging that the that this was work that we were doing that was sacred and that what that we were endowed to do and coming back in and claiming our space in these systems come on now and so when we go in and when I talk to first and second year medical students I'm looking at these things let's just have an honest conversation about bias and let's really look at what's happened but not just bias like systems that have been designed for us to fail right that have been designed for other people to thrive and for us to fail inside of and so we're we're reshaping those systems and then we're also working alongside doctors and doing grand rounds and talking to people so that there's also an understanding of what does a doula do right and how do we work together in this system so we work with some of some of the larger medical systems in the country, but especially in New York City right now, to bring in more doulas and to also create um, to to reduce the barrier of entry so that women of color can come in and serve other women of color. And we have um, a global doula immersion program that we started a year ago, and now we're in New York City, L.A., Miami, and Paris. That's awesome. And we've been training women globally as far as Madagascar, Thailand, mm. everywhere. We have six continents represented in our student body. And what's so amazing is that these women are so ready to serve, and they go back into their communities and bring this work. And so for us, it's about creating more space for these women, but not only just to to create a system whereby we go in and we come out healthier and better than before, but also to create economic mobility for women who want to do this work because we know that this is powerful work, but it's, it can't be done if that's we're being paid well. And so we're also creating a model whereby the women of color who are doing this work can also be paid at least a living wage, if not more. And so we're working also to, to address those gaps that we see happening as well. So we have Afro State of Mind hey, who had a, both a Good. She had the best of times and the worst of times, mm. uh, but she has two beautiful children. <laughs> to, so all of it's worth it. That's right. And it don't mm. matter how your baby come. You just need a baby at the end of that process. At the baby, so the baby, baby. Mm -hmm. And and then 
the parenting starts, yeah. which is a whole other thing oh, we should yeah. get into. But that's mm-hmm. why we have Dr. Keisha Porcher, who's joining us to talk about what happens after the baby gets here so that we can have that baby educated to go out and do some things in the world. Let me welcome back to the show. She is our resident educator extraordinaire who's going to break down some systems for us, Dr. Keisha Porcher. Hello, everyone. It's nice to be back. Thank you Good so much. Good to have you. And what I did the first time you were here, I remixed your, your interview and made it into a podcast. So if you go to I Am Karen Hunter, this is Karen Hunter Podcast, anywhere you can get a podcast, just search for her name, and then you'll hear her first interview where she talks about her story, which is incredible for her to be here right now. And I did not let our doula go because nope. she's here for the healing. And she just brought <laughs> gifts that I'm like, the, the smells are amazing, and I'm just, woo. But I asked you a question before we left, so I need you to answer that. And let me welcome back. Lathan, Latham Thomas. She is the founder of Mama Glow. And you can go to mamaglow.com. Okay, how does one become a doula? So there's education involved. Um, people can find locally. There's online programs. We have an incredible program at Mama Glow. Um, but I think what's most important is for people to find what resonates for them in terms of what they want to learn, um, how they want to work, if they want to work in a community for us, it's really important to educate people in a way that centers the information around black women. Mm-hmm. And so the folks who come to us know that they're going to be able to serve people who are being underserved by our medical system and the current model that we have. And so I think it's important to find the one that resonates for you, but you can go online and um, and research. And there's tons of options, which is so amazing right now because people really want to immerse in this work. It is a, it is a commitment. You do usually like weekend uh, trainings and then you do do um, supplementary work in between. So it is manageable if you have children, if you're doing a career change, if you want to do it part-time, it is manageable. And the best part about it is that it's a low financial investment so that once you start to book clients, you will get the return on investment rather quickly, sometimes within the first or second birth. How? What is the investment? So the investment can range between um, like 500 to maybe $2,000 for the course, right? Between, like depending on where you do it. Mm-hmm. And so if you think about like a normal birth, when you're um, attending a birth for your first few clients, you might make that back in the first, you might make that back after the second or third, right? Which is really, you can't say there's nothing that you can do that you invest, any type of education that you do, that you get the money back right away. I mean, people still paying their college loans off and they, you know what I'm saying? So Mm. it's like one of those things where right away there's a return. And so for people who, where, you know, if there is some sort of, you know, it doesn't have to be cost prohibitive. It's it's right. the the barrier of, the barrier of entry is low, and but doesn't mean that the quality is low. The people who do this work are skilled, and they should be respected as such. And I think that so often that's something that people will say, "Well, oh, they didn't go to medical school." But I've had people who've come from medical training that didn't know a lot of the stuff that we were teaching. So yeah. I'm so they here don't we even go. T- teach nutrition, girl. Let's much. even talk about okay. it. Okay. So how did you? What did what were you doing before, Lathan? Um, I was doing education. I went to Columbia University and I graduated with um, Visual Arts Environmental Science as a degree. And so I was actually doing early childhood education and writing curriculum. Mm. Yeah. 
Like I said, the synergies. Yeah. <laughs> I can't make this up. It's not me. It's Jesus. It's all Jesus. All right. So, so what was the moment where you decided I'm not doing that anymore and I'm doing this? It was when my son was born. So that was literally that was in your... the mo- like 20 minutes after he was born. I said, I have to, I have to transform this process for women. I have to tell women that this is what it could be because in my birth, I have what's called a primal birth. It was really ancestral. My, I had a vision where my ancestor showed up in the room in, in the form of a horseshoe and a halo above me. And I got out of my body and I was watching the entire process unfold and I spoke it. So my midwife heard everybody, it's on tape of me saying what I was seeing happen in the room. And wow. afterwards they were like, uh, yeah, you can't see what's, I was like, no, I see his head coming out, I, but I saw him from a different vantage point. So it was like this out-of-body come experience. On. Now, come and on. And so after that, I was like, I have to protect this for women. Nobody said it could be that, right? And so um, so that's what I seek is whatever the birth outcome that I help to help people to find safe passage. And I see it as Harriet Tubman's work. Like she carried our people to safe passage by night. And I see the work of doulaship is is really about carrying mothers and babies to safe passage, right? And so, um, and, and we put our bodies on the line to do that. Mm, that was beautiful. Wow. And it reminds me of this passage from a book called um, uh, The Healing Wisdom of Africa by mm. Maladoma Somme. And Maladoma Somme is this uh, young man from the Dagara community, I believe from Burkina Faso. Mm. And he talks about how the mission, white missionaries came and he was one of the people, he was the grandson of a chief, but he was given over to the Christian missionaries to be educated, so he misses out on his initiation. Mm. He runs away from the missionaries, he has to come back, but because he hasn't been initiated, he can only be received into the community as a child. Mm. So he taught... He he has to go through the initiation as an adult who has been indoctrinated with whiteness. The book is about his experience with confronting African spiritual technology of the type you just described mm. from a westernized perspective. And he talks about the fact that he, there's this whole concept of an ultrasound like environment where there's no ultrasound machine but the ancestors are communicating through the baby 100%. the baby tells the the community their gender what their needs are so that the community is prepared to receive, to receive this child and, and give the child what the child needs in order for that child to fulfill its purpose so what you're t- when you mentioned i have like the hair on my arms is standing yes. up because when we talk about african spiritual technology and i noticed somebody in the audience right now going oh she go with that ooga booga mm-hmm. If we were a lot more comfortable with Ooga Booga, we wouldn't be dealing with a whole lot of the bullshit that we're dealing with right now. But what you're talking about is the ability for our ancestors to bridge gaps that we don't even know are there, that you had not just your sight, but their sight. Oh, I had Overseeing the sight of the medical professionals who are with you. That just really, for me, speaks to the power of black women centering black women in this work and the energies that we could be tapping into that we don't even know that are there. Yes. Now there's a novel. Uh Uh-oh. To Nana Reeve, the living blood that describes the very thing that you're talking about. And Mm. I never put it together until she just opened her mouth and said Mm. that. And you brought that book to the table. But to Nana Reeve, who's also a disciple of Octavia Butler. Yes. Mm. It just. Mm. I, I wish radio Jesus. could feel make, like make the, it make sense. <laughs> I think it. I think. I think it can feel. Mm. That's the power of this word. Mm-hmm. Those mm-hmm. melanated and tuned in. I know they catching it. Katrina in Maryland, welcome to the Karen hey. Show. Hey, thank you, Karen. Thank you. Oh, this is intriguing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, to Miss uh, Lathan Thomas, I have a question. I have a relative that currently um, her 
expected date of confinement or her due date was yesterday. She's been having breast. Wait, pause for a second. Date of confinement is that is that normal? EDC, yes. Is that what we call it? A date of confinement? That, that sounds like incarceration. That, that sounds that's where like... my mind first went. I was like, oh she's going to she be locked up. She's going to have her baby incarcerated? <laughs> I've never heard that before. All right. But her, 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 her expected due date was yesterday. <laughs> They're now giving her a an induction date of the 24th. Is that a bit far away from the, the EDC date? What's today? Or should we be concerned? Today's 18th. Today's oh. So is it the is it a first time baby? A first yes, birth? it is. Yeah, so yes, first time babies come late, and you know, um, I always say that babies are born on their birthdays, right? And so, mm. um, the idea of of changing that when there's no medical reason um, is is a problem because there's a very uh, well coordinated and deeply dependent upon um, the mother's feeling of safety and effort, right? That mother and baby work together to coordinate the birth. And so the baby will send a signal of oxytocin to the maternal brain to decide when contractions should begin. And so the baby chooses that moment, but it's really the, ba- the, it's really the mother's soul and the baby's spirit that decide when it's time. Mm. And so it's important for her to kind of do, you know, be in the element, go outside, do things in the home, like settle in, um, relax, cook, you know, move her hips, twerk her baby down a little bit, you know, just be in an element, but not feel forced to uh, have the baby within a certain time frame because the first time baby, it's the first time the cervix is opening that mm. way, you know, our cervix wow. opens maybe like half a centimeter just to release like cervical fluid, um, discharge, blood monthly. It has to open to 10 centimeters for the baby's head to pass through. For the first time, it takes a long time to do that. And so to allow the body grace, right, and time and patience is really important. Mm. So so I would encourage her to, there's a lot of things you can do herbally, Um you know, intimacy is great. Sex, um, if she wants to, if she's interested and there's a partner present, um, there's prostaglandins and semen. There's eating primrose oil, which also has prostaglandins. Um, you know, there's nipple stimulation, which it stimulates uterine contractions. There's all kinds of things you can do um, and that I ter- certainly turn to when moms are under the threat for induction. But, you know, the idea of somebody governing the process right away and, and very early on also can make a mom really nervous. And that that also um, increase the stress hormones in the body, which will make it not possible for her to deliver anytime soon, right? So she has to like really kind of feel at ease and the folks around her make her feel at ease and kind of wait on her and um, and just a lot of walking, you know, stairs, things like that is great, but but not the this pressure, you know, mm, because we set an, a date, mm, a we're date, going to your late labor, right? Yeah. And nobody's late, right? And so what we want is the baby to come out within two weeks of that window, because then after that the placenta starts to um, calcify and it, it loses its, its um its ability to to do its work, right? Mm. But a week. And a week and a half, it's like it's totally fine, right? And so the baby is gonna come. It's like the we know the baby's coming, right? But um, but there should not be any threat, and there should certainly not be a date set at this point. In the in the stress that you're talking about, yes, you know, there are some studies that say that the stress on the baby can impact their hormones, their chromosomes, their mm. everything, right? Yeah. And so, but we, it's like if you think about it like this: like if somebody came in here and we all had to run out, like. 
you know, we're the stress response is to send all the blood flow to our major muscle groups into our head, not to your uterus. Right. So you're not going to be able to. Mm. So even if it's like a perceived threat, like, you know, if a lion comes in here, it's different from like a deadline, but your body doesn't know the difference. Right. So if the deadline I'm still stressed out about. So I'm going to react in the same way because, again, our bodies are ancient living in these modern settings. Right. And so, yeah. So I'm going to perceive the threat like, oh, my God, like. I have to hurry up and have this baby, but that doesn't that doesn't help you have the baby any quicker because the catecholamines go super high and then it takes time for the those stress levels to fall down because look at how we live our lives at an accelerated right. pace. Right. right. And then there's the racism. On top of that. <laughs> on top of all and then of the there's racism. Right. So <laughs> we can't even get started on that. It's like yes. Where do we come up with these due dates? Oh, so based on the, well, it's calculated by the first day of your last period, but a lot of people don't know when that is, right? And so then you, mm. there's, so then they're doing it So it's not it based, exact science. So it's not exact science, but then it's also like the baby's, um, the baby's size, they'll try to do that too. So, you know, and usually that kind of works out. I mean, but it's not always accurate. Again, I just say if the baby, if you do a stress test and the baby's fine, just let the mama rock. There has to be really a That's medical a reason advice. to adduce. That just made so much why didn't we know this? Did you know this, Lorraine? No. Why didn't we? Why don't we know? Why aren't they teaching this in school? Keisha Porcher, Doctor Porcher, whiteness. Okay, thank you. That's our answer for everything. There you okay. go. It's always the racism. It's always the racism. <laughs> That's right. a t-shirt. <laughs> you know what? Hold on. Hold on. Let me write Hold on. that down. Always it's always the racism. <laughs> Cynthia in Georgia, really quickly. Welcome to the Karen Hunter Show. Thanks for calling. Hello. I got a question, and it may be off a little bit, but I was listening to what you all were saying about the uh, delivery date, and um, and my kids are already delivered. But I was wondering, is there some type of healing? Because um, my firstborn was preterm, and my set of twins also were, were preterm. So I was... It, it, of course, I'm feeling everything you all are saying, and, of course, I'm not having any more, but I was wondering is there something I can, I don't know, go back to do or I don't know what. I don't know if I'm off about the preterm. What Do you have any information about women that have preterm babies? And- yeah, I mean, I think we can all tackle this in a, in a different way, but I would say um, – I still believe that irregardless, so the womb is the first environment, right? And so whether, whatever was happening, right, where that could impact um, the baby's uh, choice or ability to stay in utero, sometimes it's safer for the baby to be born than it is to stay inside the womb. And, and there's so many, there's so much, we don't have tons of research to show why, but we do know why, right? And so what I would say is if you have this intuitive sense, which it sounds like you do, that there is like unfinished business and work to be done and an emotion to be uncoiled and stories to be told. And I would do that because um, your babies are here and they're safe and that's amazing. But if there's something inside of you that feels like you want to anchor in that, I think it's a really powerful um, opportunity to lean into that because we all have a story. We all have something that happened and we when we look back on it. We wish that we could perceive it differently or do something differently. But I do think that there is is power in um, in addressing like where we feel wounded, where we feel like we may have not been um, where the system might have failed us, where we may have felt like we didn't have information. And now when we look back, we have hindsight. I think um, 
you know, there are so many, I can't say what you should do, but I would pray on it. I would explore it. I would sit in meditation around mm-hmm. it. I would sit mm-hmm. in circle with community around it. Yep. I would talk to other people so that you feel like and understand that you're not alone and that um, preterm birth is very common, um, especially in communities of color. Yeah. And, 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 and what could be, what could have impacted you in that time that you can, um, you know, really swaddle yourself in support around what you might need emotionally to to heal from what the experience um, was and also mourn what you might have wanted the experience to be, mm. but also be mm. able to to live into the fact that you're an amazing, powerful mother That's and right. you have these children today. Right. And however your babies got here, God bless, right? And that you have your safety and your health and they have theirs too. But I think there's in here, I mean, in this this room we're in right now I feel like there's so much wisdom around like how you can address it I mean I don't know if other people have things I would would just offer so womb care and the intuition that black women in particular have about what's and this is regardless of whether you have birthed a baby or you because we are or or not right um so and and when I I'm I'm speaking broadly about these things um but womb care and listening to that space in your body is something that I have come to learn is vitally important Mm -hmm. for particularly for those of us who come from African descendant communities so much so that I actually and I, I may have mentioned this before that I do um like every year I do like a periodic woman's training type space and I sit in I intentionally sit in spaces with other women who are holistic practitioners um, and go through programs that will really help me to stay in tune with mm-hmm. my own insight so that I know that I'm aligning and womb care is something that is always heavily stressed um, there is a website I'm going to offer up oceansandrivers.com where mm. the practitioners there are just phenomenal black women who have really put their their academic expertise, their holistic training into a space where you can deal with any of the body mind manifestations that show up, particularly when you're talking about um, what I'm going to call is, is the wound after birth, mm-hmm. right? Um, because a lot of us, when we don't have a birthing experience, that is the dream when you mm-hmm. don't have. So having had the perfect birth, quote unquote, and then having what I had with my second, I see the range of emotions mm-hmm. and what it means to come out of an emergency C-section mm-hmm. feeling a f- sense of failure or for women who perhaps wanted to breastfeed but didn't have the ability to do so for whatever reason. These are all hurts and wounds that we can carry with us that can mm-hmm. shape even our relationships with our children, with those people around us. So that you felt whatever you felt enough to pick up the phone, wait, get on the air. And call. like that yes. to me says that you are obviously getting some signs that say there is something there that needs to be cared for. Mm-hmm. Maybe emotional, maybe physical, maybe a combination of that plus spirit. We don't know, but follow your intuition. If mm-hmm. you are sensing that there is a part of your life that needs to have some different level of focus, follow your intuition and give yourself that time mm-hmm. and, and find ways of seeking out that space. Mm-hmm.